The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, joined first tonight by Greg Ducharme. Gregor, it's good to see you. What's going on, boys? Uh, December's here. What an event. That was kind of, that was a strange... That, that event got kind of strange towards the end there. But um, mm. big win there. So they, it was a fun fun weekend, fun watch. Uh, Kyle Porter is here. KP, hello, sir. Hello, I'm just looking up uh, different kinds of peats on the internet. We were talking off before we came on, and uh, you were, you referenced Swinging Pete, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is the Oklahoma State golf logo. And Pete Pete is he's all he's he's all over the place. I just texted you guys. There's a school of fire protection and safety Pete. There's a veterinarian Pete where he's wearing like this these like scrubs and and he's got a clipboard in hand. So uh, yeah, my my alma mater is is going to the I don't even know what the name of the bowl is. It's like the old cactus bowl, but Hey, at least we've got a bunch of, uh, a bunch of Pete's to market all over the place. <laughs> What's nice is uh vet Pete has a, has a white coat that is wide enough to go around his, uh, very wide pants. What are those called? Oh, those are the, uh, Oh, what are those called? They're the, they're not, uh, chaps chaps. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Good call, Greg. There we go. And those chaps I'm do not a, a do not affect expert. swing and Pete. Yeah. <laughs> a Pete aficionado over there. <laughs> oh, gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Uh, the reason we were talking about swing and Pete, who is <laughs> yeah. obviously associated with Oklahoma State University, is because Victor Hovland uh, has just successfully defended his title at the Hero World Challenge. Seventh career win worldwide. Three official PGA Tour wins, two hero wins. It's kind of a, a weird little thing. Another two on the DP World Tour. Uh, Greg, it was a little bit, little bit scary coming down the stretch. I, I think I uh, only took like two breaths from uh, the final couple of holes there, but he was able to get the job done. Yeah, it uh, for a while, I mean, really, it looked like his for a majority of the week. It, he looked great. Um, the The cool thing about this before we get into what happened late on the back nine is this is one of those golf courses where typically I would stay away from a Victor Hovland when he's won it back to back years. So there you go. But uh, because of the short Come to the first areas, cut for all your betting advice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's because of the short game. And this kind of grass, these kind of really tight lies would concern me with a Victor Hovland. But he's found some really interesting ways to um, well, one, I think he's just gotten better. His short game is just simply better, which is a great sign for him. Uh, and I was also really impressed with his ability to putt from off the green with some of those 
um, pretty severe swales. So I, I was really impressed with what he did around the greens all week. Um, I, I did, again, I saw some real improvement with his pitching technique. Um, and, and it's far more comforting as a fan than it used to be. Uh, so really creative stuff. And, and I think that played a big role in why he was able to get the job done this week. He uh, started leaning into that Texas wedge. It feels like at the Open Championship, KP, where it was kind of easy to do that. And it seems like he's pretty comfortable uh, with it moving forward. The other thing is, I mean, statistically, he has made a, a significant improvement around the greens over the last six months or so. The one thing that he would tell you himself has kind of given him troubles to start his professional career. It, it still gets talked about, but that's not necessarily what the stats say. <sighs> I would I would actually love for you to pull the stats pre-open and post-open and okay. and you know those stats the around the green stuff it, it can yes. be a little bit hairy wonky <laughs> uh, especially with a pretty small sample size like that but even with a bigger one I think I mean Victor Hovland might be the best ball striker in the world and I think that that still goes overlooked like he was he was playing at a really elite level for several years and he was he was his short game was like bad like it wasn't average it was it was bad if you looked at his putting and his and his around the green stuff combined and he was he was still able to play at that level because his ball striking is i mean who's who's a better ball striker than him rom that might be the list is that the whole list? Maybe Rory the second half of 2022, but that's, I mean, that's the, that's the company that you're in. And, you know, I, I think it, to me, it speaks to, and I don't, you can read the numbers there, but if he is just like a middle of the road, uh, short game guy, which is probably what we saw this week. We don't have detailed numbers, but he's he's going to win a lot. I mean, it, I think the thing that gets overlooked about this tournament, Greg, is like it, it's and somebody said this. I think Hovland said it actually afterward. He's like, he's the 15, 20 best players in the world, you know? And so yeah. that's, <laughs> that's probably an OWGR conversation that we don't need to have right now, but it's, it's super impressive to go back to back. I I think winning this golf tournament is harder than winning some of the full field, uh, lesser, like lower tier events on the tour. Here are the numbers boys. So again, with the caveat that around the green play is, is wonky. There's small sample size. Not, not every event is measured, but everything from the PGA tour and the DP world tour that is measured. Here we go. Prior to the open championship, 57 rounds, he lost on average point five, two strokes around. He lost a half a stroke per round. That's for the first, so bad. It's, it's basically one of the worst rates on tour over yeah. those 57 rounds since then 35 rounds, 30. And that obviously not including this week because we don't get the breakdown. He's gaining four tenths of a stroke. So that is nearly a one stroke per round per round difference since the open championship. That is a huge improvement. Yeah, I think the I think the leading I think uh, Rory and Kuchar led the world in this statistic in 2022 from January one to like two weeks ago, and they were only at point four eight. So he's he went from being I mean again th- this is this is probably not emblematic of who he is on the whole, but he went from being one of the worst to close to the like the the, the best number in the world, which is really terrifying if you're if you're another top player because a hovland that is above average around the greens and with his short game is 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 truly like going to be an awesome awesome player yeah one of those um i was looking at his what he did this during this calendar year before the open there were 14 events and he, he gained strokes around the green in four of them uh, and they were all less than two strokes for the event. One of them was the match play. So you kind of have some, you know, he's very much on the losing side of things, which Rick's numbers point to as well. And since the Open, uh, he's only lost strokes in two events since the Open. Uh, and he's gained sometimes significantly in every other event. I mean, that that is a market turnaround. It, a, full, a full stroke around. I mean, that is an insane jump. Mm-hmm. And and you can see it when you watch him. 
it's um it, it's not just a guy who's hot it's a guy who's made real technique improvements and and there's a confidence that's building from that which is the biggest thing when you struggle with short game the way that Victor did where you have some of those really scary shots when they're not scary anymore well things change quick like Scotty Scheffler is never afraid of a pitch shot yeah. with a tight lie he's just trying to decide what shot is going to produce the best result uh, so he can make it. I mean, he's trying to make them. And and that is such a big difference from the mental side. Then I hope I don't mess this up, which I'm not saying that that Victor was thinking, I hope I don't mess this up. But it, it that's what you feel. That's what you felt watching. What is going to happen here? And I would imagine he had some negative thoughts creep into his mind from time to time. So it's a, it's a big noticeable improvement that I I do think is going to be significant heading into next year. They had two things real quick. You you kind of, you kind of reference this off the top, Rick. (laughs) We, We have to have some sort of unification around like Hovland has all these wins, but they're not PGA tour wins, but they are OWGR wins, but they're, but then can't land. I have no idea how many wins can't land Xander have at all times ever. I, I mean, the, you've got the Olympics well, and the team stuff. The answer is it depends. <laughs> Wait, it, it's like we need a we need the um, the United Nations to like rule on this. Because... You know, we should do. Well, we should. They should just be called hoists. If you hoist the trophy, that's a win, right? You get. He's got seven hoists. On, they handed him a trophy on the 18th green, and he put it in the air. I hoist is is hard to say, and it would be, it would be like you try. I say it in different languages. Uh, it would be tough. I think podiums. I go back to the podium yeah. thing, right? Where it's like, and maybe you don't need that for the rocket mortgage, right? But for majors and for, I don't know, we don't need to talk about this right now, but it, it, it just the whole, like, I mean, I'm, I'm on these websites trying to figure out, well, so-and-so had like this, but it was in the 20. 20- 2023 season but that was actually in 2022 but it didn't count and it's like what are we doing like this is this is this is not good and then the other thing is more of a question for both of you guys and i'm curious maybe especially in your answer rick because you don't like i feel like the people that are on the show suck up all the oxygen you don't get to talk a ton but uh who who are you who right now to you because i think this is a hovland uh, oriented question has the biggest difference between how they're being viewed and how they will end up this time next year. So that doesn't necessarily mean who's going to have the best 2023, but rather like who's the most undervalued right now compared to how, what they will have accomplished 12 months from now. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, so Victor's Victor's the easy answer, right? Because there's and there's always kind of the 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 tie to Colin, and because Colin has two major champions, major championships, that's always a discussion that happens, and everybody kind of I think overlooks Victor. And then you say, okay, he's got seven wins, but right, two of them mm-hmm. are Mayakoba, one's the Puerto Rico Open, two don't count for his PGA Tour resume, and two have come <laughs> on the DP World Tour. Yeah, so, again, get the United Nations on the phone, please. Right, so <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like he doesn't get the respect that he wants, so I think Victor's the the uh, an easy answer. I also think um, I, I keep going back to John Rahm, you know, mm-hmm. like John Rahm was the number one player in the world. He beat, you know, the, the tweets from you, Kyle, that were he's only lost to X number of golfers over Y amount of time were outrageous. And he yeah. is getting hot now. And he might just have this massive 2023 while everyone's talking about uh, Rory and Scotty and Liv and OWGR points and, and everything else in the world. Like John Rahm might be the number one player by April. Yeah, I I like those answers. I, some of this is hard because you don't know how people view Rom, right? Like we know how people like clowns on Twitter that love live view Rom, or we know how each other views Rom. But some of it is hard to kind of gauge, like who actually is undervalued. I guess you could look uh, at. But DFS stuff, you know, because that's like you got to put put your money where your mouth is. I think Morikawa is in there for me, and we can talk about him. He finished what fifth this week, I think fifth or sixth. 
And it just feels like it feels like people went too far the other too far in one direction over the last two years. And he won two of his first eight majors and people are like, oh, he might win 10. You're like, well, he's probably not going to win 10. But now it's almost gone like people have done a 180 too far the other direction. I think there's a middle ground with Morikawa that feels a little undervalued right now. Morikawa could win three times, including the Masters next year, and I would be not surprised at all. And I don't it doesn't feel like he has that kind of energy around him right now. I think this is a really unique time to ask a question like that um, or to, to discuss because it is hard to gauge where people are. Like I'm looking at Jordan Spieth and mm. I don't really know where we are with him. And I don't really feel like this week answered any questions. There's kind of a, there's a yeah, but with all these guys, Sam Burns is the same thing. Like where is Sam Burns game? We don't really know. Um, but another guy that jumps out to me as being underappreciated um, would be Patrick Cantlay. And again, is is he just undervalued? Is he one? Is he undervalued? Uh, two? Is it just because he hasn't really played a whole lot in the fall? And three? I mean, he's number four in the world. Can you be undervalued if you're number four in the? Do people know? Do people realize he's number four in the world? And one of the guys he's behind is Cam Smith, who's going to have uh, some struggles gaining OWGR points. <laughs> so, you know, like like he's very soon going to be a top three player in the world. And what is yeah. his ceiling? What does his year look like next year? Again, this is all without great performances in majors. Is he going to take that next step? So I, I think it's kind of interesting. I think the difference between a Hovland and a Cantlay for me is that... Cantley feels a little bit uh, established, or like this is who he is, right? Especially yeah. the majors where he hasn't he hasn't done that much, which may be a little unfair because I think he's played actually in a lot fewer events. You might have that Rick it, than people imagine that he has because of the back injury, like all the different things he experienced early in his career. He's he actually hasn't played in that many majors or that many PGA Tour events. And Ho- but Hovland to bring it back to Hovland who. Uh, actually won this tournament, he he feels like, he feels more pliable. It feels like, man, if he can, I mean, you just said it, Rick, if he can flip his, his uh, around the green play, his short game that much in six months, what what could he be? You know, like that, that to me, it just feels like there's more pliability there than somebody like maybe a Cantlay or a Xander who it's like, we get the same thing every year. Like it's really good, but it's the same thing. Um, 23 majors for Cantlay, which okay. is crazy because you want to take a guess at how many PGA Tour events he's played. Remember, he tr- he technically turned pro in 2012. I think yeah. like I think it's only ago. like 120 or something. So how many majors, Greg? 23, 142 PGA Tour events over. Well, 10 years as a professional, he wasn't like a full time member of the PGA Tour. I think until 17. Okay. Yeah, he, it, it's a really late start to his career. Yeah, which is weird because he was a prodigy, right? Yes. It, and then it just took forever to get going. Yeah. Hovland is more than halfway already to Cantlay's PGA Tour starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, I mean, that's what I'm saying is, is like we, we sort of like don't view Cantlay the right way. But I still, regardless, I still think Hovland is more pliable than somebody like that. Uh, this event, the hero world challenge was, it was in pocket for a while, uh, for Victor Greg, because he had multiple shot lead throughout the day. I think he got up to five at one point, but it got pretty dicey on 18. He gets fortunate that his drive bounces out of that bunker, but now he's up on top and he described to, uh, Steve Sands afterwards that, uh, with that lie. And, uh, sometimes when, when the club face gets shut down, things go left. Unfortunately, left at 18 is the water. And now things can get spinning very, very quickly for you. Yes. I mean, and off the tee shot, you know, Azinger did a nice job of saying this. You cannot bail right. Um, And that was kind of the reason why the bunker's no good. I I think that's an unfortunate break to bounce out of the bunker. Uh, But, but, you know, so easy to, so easy to hit it there. 
because you have water left off the tee as well, um, which which makes for a great finishing hole because you got to step up and your only option is to stripe it down the middle like Scotty did. Uh, but it, the the strange thing about this event, it, like you said, Rick, it's a five shot lead, and he makes two birdies on fourteen and fifteen. Yet Scotty's picking up ground on him. And all of a sudden you go to 18, it's a two shot, it's a two shot lead. Yeah. And then, and then you hit it to the, under the lip of a bunker and then hit it, he hits it in the water. It, this didn't feel like Victor Hovland made mistakes to give this away until 18. Like it didn't feel like it should even have been close on 18. And all of a sudden it is like, like Scotty made three birdies in a row. It, well, Victor Hovland made birdie on two of those holes. And all it just it got tight quick. It was a very, very bizarre feel watching this event. Uh, next, all of a sudden, it's two shots, and Victor Hovland's taking a drop on eighteen. Mm-hmm. It it got it got tight quick. Uh, Victor's lying four on the green, KP, and uh, Scheffler's chipping from a waste bunker, and he lips it out. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we were not on air for that. I, I, I was, I was very concerned and I have, I said some things that would not be, uh, would not be great. He, <laughs> maybe you should have been on air. <laughs> he, he was for sure trying to make that right. I hope so. And I like, think, yes, yeah. the way that, the way that he was sort of setting up for it, the type of practice swings, swings he was taking, how far it went past the pin. I think, I think Sky Chef, or I don't know if he thought Hov or he like presumed that Hovland was going to make his putt, which I guess you sort of have to do, or if he just didn't want to go to, to a playoff or what, but he was, <laughs> he was definitely trying to make that shot. And then he made a, he made a five because it, I, I think the reason that, that Greg uh, uh, is saying what he said about how it felt just the weird at the end is because there were so many different numbers in play for both guys uh, over like in the last even 10 minutes, right? Hovland yes. made, he could have made three from where he was at. Uh, he hits it in the water. All of a sudden he could make six, you know, and Scheffler could have made three from the, from the waste area. And then he did make five. So there, there was just, it was a very like, you don't usually get that many variables in terms of what score guys can make. You play a lot of holes and it's like, I don't know, man, like he's going to make four or five. He's going to make three or four, especially after a couple of shots are hit. And up until the end, it still felt like a lot of different numbers were in play for both guys. And they both made five. I mean, it was just, it's so, it was so golf. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for sure. Normal. Very normal. Norm, yeah, right. Normal sport, too. Uh, so Victor becomes uh, only the second person besides Tiger Woods to successfully defend the Hero World Challenge. Seventh career win worldwide. We've already covered that. Congratulations, uh, Vic. That's the, It's the yearly like uh, Christmas bonus he gives himself. Just win, the, <laughs> win a million bucks each December and it's all good. How what, Seven good. wins and how many OWGR starts? It's got to be like 70 um, or Probably a little bit more than that because he plays a lot of he plays more European tour events. I can tell you it is. God, I hate the new maybe website. maybe maybe eighty. F- maybe actual, yeah. is that actual event? No, that can't be right. Actual OWGR events is ninety six. Oh, okay, well, that's higher than I thought, but still, that's a winning percentage of seven, a little a little better than seven percent. Now, you can throw the hero back at me. You can throw Mayakoba back at me. I, I don't care, man. Like there's a lot of people that are playing in events like that, that aren't winning 7% of their, of their tournaments. And seven is a, I mean, Hava needs to go win some memorials and some, some PGA championships and stuff like that. But 7% is 7%. That's super impressive. When you throw one of those big ones on there, on this resume, it just changes everything. I mean, everybody has events they win that are, less than you know um that are not the memorial you can't play all memorials so when a good player wins one of those events sometimes we look at it like a bad thing uh, until they've done it in a really big event and then well they should have you know he should have won the mayakoba oh he should have won the hero he should yeah Yeah. and so it kind of changes that perspective you know who it's like greg it's like when it's like JT when he was winning all those events in uh, in Asia, like in yeah. the middle of October. Malaysia. 
right? Yeah. He won the CIMB two years in a row or or whatever it was. And then you're like, okay, well that, yeah, that's, I even, I remember I ran it, I ran into him at Riviera and I was like, Hey, you know, we were chatting and I was like, Hey, good luck getting that first win. And he had just won he, the <laughs> fall before he had won the CIMB. Well, I didn't re- like, it's, you know, it's, it's oh. October. It's the middle of the night. And like, I just didn't remember. And I apologize later, but, uh, then he wins the PJ championship 2017 you're and it, and it, it, it what you're saying is true. It, it almost, you're like, Oh, this is JT, you know, it makes him JT. And I think the same, like if, if Hovland wins the masters in April, how much differently do we view these, you know, all these resort course wins? Completely different. Scotty Scheffler was trying to track down Victor Hovland, obviously, because we just spent the first 24 minutes talking about Victor. That means Scotty Scheffler was unsuccessful in that attempt, but it was a four under 68, 66, 68 on the weekend uh, for Scotty to finish two shots back. And Greg, this just puts a bow on, what was a massive year for Scotty Scheffler, right? 23 events uh, by my count, if I counted that correctly, four wins, 11 top tens, nine of them podiums. Okay. We'll, we'll throw that in there. So he broke the all time single season money. I mean, it's just, it was just a massive 2022. It really was. Um, And again, I think this is a really cool thing for Scotty Scheffler because coming in, you have all these concerns about his putting, uh, and we have for a while and he just keeps on finishing on the podium. Right. And this is the the thing about that hot streak that he went through last spring where he wins four events. He gets to world number one. We're wondering if that's real. And while he's not going to win four uh, four out of six events very often, what he is going to do is play like this. Right. He's going to contend frequently. And he did before he won on the PGA Tour. He did that before last year, and he's continuing to do it after. So what I'm learning about Scotty, the more and more I watch him, is his baseline is just really, really good. Um, and whether he's able to get the job done and hoist a trophy or, or not is is one thing. But his play is so impressive. Uh, his TV green play, his short game is magnificent. I mean, the, the sh- bunker shot he hit on 17, he was trying to make that one too. Uh, and he very nearly did. So it, he's just, he's really fun to watch. And when that putter gets hot again, and it, I'm sure it will, he's going to, he's going to win again. And he's probably not far away from win number five. His short game is f- filthy. Oh. It's so good. It, it, it's, he must try to be like, of course, he's trying to make everything because he makes everything, right? <laughs> it's actually insane when he when he doesn't make it. It it looks good until one foot in front of the cup or it touches the. Li- it's just every shot. I have full on confidence that he's going to stick it close. Well, and that's the thing. It's like it, it, he's an, he's such a good ball striker, like a top whatever 15 ball striker in the world but kind of like rom when you start throwing those hands on there around the greens it's like that's not fair you know because like and and jt's talked about this before like if you can go to a major and or go to a big championship tournament and think like i can get up and down from anywhere it just change it just it, it it frees you up it changes your entire week because then you start looking at different at, at approach shots a lot differently, right? You, I can go after that pink. I can get up and down from there. Doesn't matter. And that's what I feel like with Scheffler. Now, whether that is actually, I mean, it was the case at the masters, right? That's how he won the masters. He get, he made the shot on three. He gets up and down from all over the yard there. And on one, that, yeah, it's just, it's, it's nasty. It's, it's like a, it's like a, a little bit of a, not a cheat code, but it's like a, it's, it's an, it's an add on to somebody who's already one of the best ball strikers in the world. I'll throw this back at you, Rick. I did a little very informal unscientific study of the, like, I wanted to know at the beginning of the week, does the hero matter? It's like this kind of weird one-off event, but it's got a great field. And so I looked at guys over the last five iterations of the tournament that finished in the top three and bottom three, like how did they do the following year? 
right? So if you look at the top three last year, it was Hovland, uh, Sheffield, and Reed. Bur- I think Burns. He might have been a tied third. Maybe Burns was up there. Uh, so, so for the guys that were t- like T three like that, I just a- I didn't add them in. I just averaged what what those guys did. So I looked at wins and strokes gained. So. Mm-hmm. What you get is a lot of wins the following year from both the top and bottom because all, everybody in this field is really good. But what you what you get every year is a lot of wins in the following year from the top three. Hmm. So last year's top three had six wins in 2022. Uh, the year before that was 2019. So in 2020, the top three had three wins. 2019. Uh, 2018 going into 2019, the top three had four year before that. They only had one. That was kind of the outlier year before that they had five. So you can look at the top three in this field, Hovland, Scheffler and Cam Young. And I think you can just pencil in like three to four wins. Now, I don't know what tournaments they're going to be in or where they're going to come from. That wasn't always true of the bottom three in this field. Like you had years where they had zero, they had one, you know, those were guys that, potentially struggled going into the following year, but the top three in this field, you can just pencil them in for like a lot of wins in 2023. It, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's a pretty good measuring stick. Uh, You've got 20 of the top, probably 35 players in the world at, at worst. And I feel like, and I don't know what you guys think for the most part, you should be having guys that are pretty not peaking, but like they're playing good golf. They've played all year long. We just had the playoffs. If they've decided to play around the world or play more events in the fall, like they should be in pretty good shape. We had a lot of guys who were scorching hot. Like Rom's got multiple victories coming in. Finau had multiple victories coming in. Xander had been awesome. Scotty just never stopped. Right. Like, so it is a pretty interesting little measuring stick field. I'm curious to know how that's going to go in future years. Um, like the, the stat you just had, Kyle will be very interesting this upcoming year because all these guys are quote unquote top players, right? They're going to be playing in the 17 big events. Uh, and, and that doesn't leave a lot of room, maybe five to eight other events where, you know, this field isn't all there, um, for wins. So if it happens again this year, I think that there'll be more impressive victories. Yeah. Um, there, and, there, are, there are more impressive victories to be had. For sure. And it, again, it's unscientific. It's not, it's, you're basically just saying, are the top players going to win a bunch next year? <laughs> yes, of course. But there, there was a difference between finishing in the top of this field. And I think part of it is, is the season is, a, is like three weeks or I guess a month away. Right. So it's not as if I I think it's not as if you're waiting another six months to get going. It starts soon. And these are the guys that are playing good golf right now and presumably will be starting in, in January as well. Uh, We'll talk through some of these guys and I'll intertwine them into our horrific wagering week. We'll do that uh, after a quick word from our partners. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. Horrible. Gentlemen, <laughs> we, we just got absolutely wiped here. But I think we can use this to spark a little bit of conversation. Uh, Patrick and I both faded Jordan Spieth, one with Max Homo, one with Shane Lowry. Spieth finished 15th out of 20, Kyle, and beat both Max Homa and Shane Lowry. So we That's got the, the Spieth struggles correct, but the other guys were worse. That's tough. 
That's tough. Because there were other guys you probably could have picked that were even better odds in fading speed, right? Yeah, almost. Yeah, almost certainly. Right. Yeah, that's that's tough to look at. I did you, get the I put the only green on this board. Yeah, and you found <laughs> the guy, you faded the guy who finished dead last and did it with a T13, Matt Fitzpatrick I, over Tommy Fleetwood. I also picked the guy that finished last to win, so don't don't listen to me. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm a moron. Uh, I was, and, and the, you got both Fitzpatrick and Fleetwood as winners. Listen, it was we've already been over this. Okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, it was not, it was, I picked, so real quick, what happened was I picked each, like I picked one and then I went back to doing something else. I picked the other, went back to doing something else. And I, and this is what I ended up with. So it's not, <laughs> not good. The the one that's most surprising to me, uh, on my list anyway, is John Rahm, uh, finished, I think T8. I just, he he was playing at at a level that it's like, you put anybody in this field, I think he's going to finish in the top five. He'd been beaten by four guys in his last four tournaments. Three at uh, uh, the CJ and then one at a European tour event. And so I just, it it wasn't a bad week for him because again, it's a a pretty elite field, but I just, I thought he would finish in the top three, four, five this week. John Rahm went 73, 71, 68, 71, T8. Tom Kim, my top five, finished T10. Sung M, which was Patrick's, finished T8 as well. So missed that by a couple of shots and then uh, no outrights because no Victor on board. But, you know, it is, there are some interesting names here, Greg, because uh, like I think we've said, I'm excited to see what Finau does in 2023. I'm excited to see what Kyle Morikawa does. I'm excited to see what John Rahm does. Tom Kim's your X factor, bud. Right. Cool. Like he, what, what is he just going to be the man? We're going to get a full season of it like that. That one I'm excited for. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it, too. Um, a tough, a couple of tough middle rounds there, but he played some nice golf. Um, you know, the South Korea soccer team thing was entertaining. I, I And I do think <laughs> it's safe to say we're going to get a lot of that this year. Um, especially if he plays the way he's been playing, which I, I don't think is far fetched. I, I think Tom Kim's a really talented player, and I think he's going to go into this year with a lot of confidence. Uh, the President's Cup, winning on the PGA Tour twice. I mean, th- these things will give you a lot of confidence. And, you know, I bet if you did a study on similar to what you did with the hero, Kyle, about a President's Cup or Ryder Cup and what guys get out of that. Yeah, you'd get a you'd get a very similar result. Um, I just I just think for Tom Kim, this is going to be a a very fun year. I don't know how many trophies he's going to have, but I think he's going to be in the mix a lot. Uh, I think he's going to be in the mix a lot in some big time events, which is going to be really cool to see. Tom Kim might make four hundred million dollars in his career. (laughs) Well. Okay. <laughs> Does that seriously? I know it was such a. It was when you first said that. I was like, "You're such an idiot." And then I was like, "No, that's that could actually be." True. Well, I mean, they put the, they put, remember the tour made that graphic yes. of like, yes. "Oh, Jim Freak would have been. He would have almost been a billionaire or whatever it was." Yeah. And you're like, "Really?" Yeah. And I, you know, if that continues, I mean, I don't. I think the, the, the I, listen, like I love Tom Kim. I think he's, I think he's a character in a sport that both needs them and has had sort of a, has been devoid of them over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so and, and has more of them now. And that's a good thing, but I think Tom Kim's a character and I think he's great. I, I think he's a little bit over, uh, I think people overrate his golf ability because everything else is so good. Like he's so fun and funny and like endearing. He's a good player. He's not, he's not like a top 10 player in the world. Right. And so I'm curious to see how that goes when there's real expectations on him to perform. Uh, I mean, we've seen a hundred guys, a thousand guys do this where it's like you come out, there's no expectations. It's easy. It's fun. It's the best. I mean, this was more Cowboys year, right? Now there's expectations and it's, it gets harder. You know, it's, it's different. And maybe Tom Kim doesn't have those same expectations because more has major championship expectations. Tom Kim doesn't have that yet, but 
Um, I'm, I'm hopeful for him, but I think the goal, I think the personality has a little bit outpaced the golf ability, even though I still think he's very good. Tom Kim has six months and 17 days and still until he can legally drink alcohol in the United States <laughs> turns 20, he's told on 21 in six months and 17 days. That's crazy. Twice, twice a PGA tour winner. Uh, that the, what Kyle was referencing is that thing that the PGA tour released where, yeah, Jim Furyk's career, if it started today would have made like $600 million. Tom Kim, 20 years old, Greg. So in theory, He's got a couple of decades at this. Now you throw in the fact that he is, um, he's South Korean. So there will be mandatory, uh, military service at some point. Unless you win a medal medal or a, it's not a major, right? It's just a medal. It's a medal. And then there's, I think there's another criteria, whether it's like the Pan Am games or something like that. We've talked about this before. There's definitely another way. Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely another, way. another way. The good thing is, the good thing is for him that he has more. T- obviously, considering what you just said about his age, he's got more time than anybody else, uh, and, and than any of the other South Koreans to get this figured out. Um, so there are some options. There's a long way to go, but at the same time, we've seen players have a majority of their career, a majority of their successes over by the time they're thirty. It's like a trend in the game. These guys are rocket ships. But the one thing is Tom Kim seems to me like a guy built for longevity more so than uh, who, uh, who's a good example of that. Like uh, some of these young guys yeah, throw a name out there. Yeah, Matt I was Wolf. I was dying for whatever name was going to come out of your mouth. Matt Wolf. You know, like Matt, when when Matt Wolf, Morikawa and Hovland came out. So, well, who's going to have the best career? Who's going to last the longest? Who's going to have the most success now? Um, it, it doesn't feel like he's on that kind of a trajectory. I know everything got thrown out, kind of thrown out the window. But even Spieth, right? Jordan Spieth had Easy. this major, major success early on, and it's tapered off. Not that he's done. I'm not saying that. It just it's a it's a much more common thing now to see Hall of Fame careers built before the age of 26. Um, and then they don't necessarily continue that way. Well, I think you're right. You are right. I, I think what's changed, it's not so much the, the, the compact nature of those careers. Because, I mean, Arnold Palmer won all of his majors in like three years, right? Four years, whatever. It's just that there, but it was like when he was 29 to 33 or 30 to 34 or whatever. It's just that it's happening like that. Com, excuse me, that compactness is happening sooner, and so it just feels different when you're like 22 than it does when you're Ar- Arnold Palmer and you're 31. You know, right? I think what I think the unusual thing is Phil being awesome for 30 years, is Tiger being tremendous for 20 years, is Rory being in the top 15 for. 14 years that that's yeah that those are the outliers like the 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 uh, dustin johnson 15 years like the sustained success at that level for that period of time that's actually i think unusual by the way are you predicting that mount wolf's high flyers are, are gonna finish like bottom third in the in live next year uh yeah you heard it here first Bottom bold. That's bold. Great. <laughs> Not without some good uh free agent movement or some or some trades. Uh Troy, you can drop that that screen off. I'm tired of looking at Please. that. Please. Um, so according to <laughs> <laughs> according to Google, an Olympic medal or a gold medal at the Asian Games will okay. create an exemption from military service. So then I said, Well, I've got to go look up golf at the Asian Games. Okay. I was, I was not disappointed. So I can't seem to find the 2022 results, which seem to have happened in September, but I can't find that. Do they have golf? They do. Yes, they do. Believe it or not. They do. Um, Since 1982, golf has been an event at the Asian games. Okay. Do you have to be an amateur? Uh, Kyle, you're, you're asking me questions about things I know very little about. I don't think so. Um, well, oh, okay. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, you're a smart guy. The event was open to amateurs only. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because these guys that would obviously sense. go over and try to take a crack at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah you would think like, you know, one of these guys would have that makes that makes a lot of sense. Oh, this is gonna be this is some deep this is some deep stuff. We we're we're in it right now. So um, I will just tell you there's a team of there's a team and an individual event. This is from 2018. So rewind your brain four years ago and also remember that there were no professionals. If I told you that Japan won the men's team, could you could you come up with maybe a guy or two who might have won the gold medal in individuals there? Was it so, was it somebody from Japan? Yeah. Takoshi Kadaira? Uh no. Great. Takumi Kanaya? Uh okay. So no, but he was on the winning team. But he did <laughs> not win the individual medal. Hmm. Do, I mean, do we even know who this is? Yeah. But like only I'm pretty sure just because Mark has talked about him recently. <laughs> Oh, uh, the one that played for Mark. Yep. The guy that played for Mark. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I can't. I can't remember his name. Kita Nakajima. There we go. Uh, yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. Well, yeah, he is. Uh, also, this one is. <laughs> this one's way deeper, but I feel like Kyle might get this because his I know his brain's weird. Uh, Twenty eighteen <laughs> women's individual gold medal. An amateur from the Philippines. From the Philippines? Yeah. And you think I can get this? <laughs> I, I think you'll know who it is. It's not Shang Shang, is it? No. Is it cool? Nope. No, she's she's uh, she's from Thailand. Uh, you'll both know who it is, but the, I don't know if you'll get there. The Philipp- oh, it's... Uh, it's she won the, um, yep. She won the, uh, is it known? Uh, who it's she not, won, it's not she, NASA, is it? No, but she you're the U S open last year. She won the U S women's open. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes, yes, yes. 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 I can't remember her name. Yuka Sasso. Ah, see, That's I thought, right. I thought you the, might get close. She won the U S women's open at, uh, like 21 or something. She, well, here was really the tricky part of that. So, uh, we we are obviously deep into this, but she represented the Philippines until 2021, and now she represents Japan. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, I remember. That's what yeah. I would probably threw threw you off there. Uh, yeah, I don't. That's a that feels like a no, free the, pass. It was the weird brain. Sure. It was a weird brain. Free pass, no problem. Um, anything else? There were two. First of all, the DP World Tour just comes hot out of the gate. They just go double <laughs> events for the for, like they have no break. Right. And then they go two events week one, two events week two. Yeah. It's that's, insane. That's living. Yeah. The, well, the, the mixed team event is uh, wait, is it a team event? It's not a team event, right? But the men and the women play the same it, golf course at the same time. Yeah. Which is so cool. Like, I'm way in on that. I didn't watch any of it, but because it was on at, you know, 2 a.m. here. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. It's a fun little. Uh, Australian swing for them. And um, yeah, it's crazy that they've already played four events. I mean, they were having their, their tour championship like a week ago. <laughs> yes. Two weeks ago. And then they've had four events since then, <laughs> Yeah, like eight abs- days ago. And then there's been four events that have been played. <laughs> and, and they have some big ones early in the year, yeah. early yeah, in the new yeah. calendar year too. Uh, the other little nugget that I saw today via Nosferatu Mm. Nosferatu is already three weeks ahead. He's already projecting the OWGR for week 52, which is the end of the year, which is important because that's what gets you into the Masters. Uh, Currently on the outside looking in, well, not technically, but Brooks Kepka will be 51 probably, but he's in on PGA Championship. Yep. Uh, Louis, 52. JT Poston, 53. Scott Stallings, friend of the pod. Minwoo. Harris English, Burmeester, Paul Casey, 58. Casey's, he's not playing. We'll see you. Yeah, check you later. Um, So, yeah, fun stuff the next couple weeks. Uh, Greg, do you have any OWGR takes? (laughs) Uh, Handfuls. (laughs) Any that you want? Absolute (laughs) handfuls. Make public? (laughs) Um, Well, 
this event is really interesting to me being an OWGR event. It, it, if I'm glad Victor won, uh, cause if Scotty won and became world number one, they would bother me. I, I just think there it's such a, a relaxed environment and, and the complication with the hero world challenges near the top of the leaderboard. It is in, it's intense and they want to win and there's pressure and it's, it's a nice win, but towards the bottom of the field, you, you get such a big split. Um, and, and I think that happens because of the meaning and motivations change throughout the, uh, throughout the entirety of the week. So I, I think it's a very interesting event. I don't think it should get official world golf ranking points. Um, I'm, I'm very curious about what tiger said this week about OWGR um, and how it has to change um, and, and how he said we have to change it. Uh, and I'm just curious what his involvement is in that. If any, if he's saying we as a, as a sport, if he's saying we, the guys that were at the meeting, uh, the PGA tour meeting, um, I'm, I'm just very curious about that as well. Um, but it doesn't seem like the brand new official world golf ranking point system is being very well received right now. And I'm curious to see how it plays out again. I think that the one situation that happened in uh, with the DP world tour and, and the RSM classic was a unique situation. Um, and I, t- I tend to think that depth a hundred, you know, duck sized horses is a harder thing to beat than, you know, a horse-sized duck, as you said, Kyle. So it's, it's a very interesting time in the OWGR history. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors. But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com Has has anyone ever liked the OWGR system? I feel like they're always complaining and always changing. It's such a hard thing to, you know, a couple of years ago, I looked, I went in, I looked at how it all worked. I really tried to understand it. And I'm like, I, I ended up saying, this is a really good system. Like it's really well done. It's well thought out. Uh, it's very complete. It's not perfect, but how could it pot? How can it possibly be perfect? The DP world tour has had four events in the last two weeks Right there, I mean, they're in playing in different areas of the world at different times, and you're trying to take all the players in those fields and all the players on tours and in events that you've never even heard of, and you're trying to give every single person a ranking. You know, there, there's not like ranges. You're not 100 to 200 in the world. You're number 113. You know, that's that's just a crazy it's a crazy complicated thing to try to do. And I think they've done a nice job of it. I have two. I have two thoughts, Kyle. Real quick. I'll just tee up on this. If uh, two things, 
if you're going to make a comment about the OWGR on Twitter, I feel like you should have to prove that you know how it works and how it's calculated. And two, <laughs> if you say it's not a good system, you have to you have to come up with a solution. You have to propose a solution. I hate the people just throwing it out into the void that it's a horrible system. I hate it. It doesn't work. It's not fair with zero solution. Oh. I agree. <laughs> well, and what's what's ironic about that is that it's way fairer than it used to be. <laughs> right. Right. I, and I was curious, Greg, are you talking about that you really like the OWGR as it's currently constituted or the previous iteration of it? Like the previous I was talking about the previous iteration. Um and, and I did this because there was an, another time and I forget what happened, but there was all this controversy around the OWGR. I said, Well, what you know, what do they do? How does this actually work? Like no nobody really knows how it actually works except Nosferatu. Uh, and probably Peter Dawson, right? But but all of a sudden you look at Maybe Nosferatu it. is Peter Dawson. That would make a lot more sense. Wow, could be. Okay, wow, so plot I, twist. I've got this. Uh, that would be sick if Nosferatu <laughs> is Peter Dawson. <laughs> I like. I love that. I love that the only person who understands the OWGR system is a guy that we don't even know his real name who just tweets <laughs> out stuff on like every every Sunday night. Which listen. Maybe not great that that's the case. <laughs> I, I, I love get that it. it. I, oh, he's awesome. Or she. I don't, I don't know True. who it is. Yeah. Uh, so the, there was this thing, and people have been complaining. People in this, even on our podcast, have been complaining about how international players are not going to have a path forward to uh, compete on a on a global stage, like at the biggest championships, the biggest tournament. So Nosferatu tweeted this out today. Uh, on Sunday, early in the morning, I don't know where he or she lives. If it's Peter Dawson, I believe it's in London. But uh, <laughs> so based on the average strength of field of regular Asian tour events since the new OWGR system was adopted, if a player starts from scratch and plays 20 events per year, he would need roughly 20 wins uh, over two years and 40 events played to get close to the top 50 in the world. Okay. So if you just look at that tweet, you're like, listen, that's not good. But the flip side of the argument is like, wh who is the person under the old system that really rose up the ranks in a in an Asian tour or a Sunshine tour or whatever? And you're like, oh, this new system is going to keep that person from from rising up the ranks and con competing on a global level. Now, did anybody do that? Was anybody was anybody like us like just? killing it on the Asian tour and they come over and start winning on like, a, a, like against the best players in the world in yeah. major championships. Well, well, I don't know about that, but you want to know the literally that's like Tom Kim. Now he has not. So here's Tom Kim's year. He played, um, he played like 12 Asian events this year. Win second, second, a fifth on the Korean tour. Then he plays, a major misses a cut. Then he plays an Asian tour event, finishes 15th, 23rd at the U S open third at the Scottish open. Then now he's, now he's who we know, but that's the only okay. example. Okay. That's fair. That's a fair example. And I if just, you would, if you would have asked me that like two months ago, I would have had zero answers for you. Right. And Is that's he a little top bit 50 from those Asian tour events. Like, did he move into the top 50 he in the world? Started or? the year. Uh, so he won his first start of the year an Asian event, the Singapore international that moved him to 89th in the world. He was 127 before that. I think my point is like, that's an outlier for what, sure. what more often has happened in the past with the WGR is you get guys cleaning up on the Asian tour or the sunshine tour. I'm not picking on those two. Those are just the first two lesser to smaller tours that come to mind. And then they get into these, championship level situations with the Rory's and the JT's we've seen this at WGC's right. And they get plastered like they get destroyed because they're, they, they were getting, um, they were getting boosted by these like minimum uh, tour points, right? Like they were getting, they were, they were just, they were like cleaning up, but it, it was not, it was biased toward them toward the international tours because the OWGR was saying like, Hey, the Asian tour, we got to have a minimum point level, even though objectively without bias, these players are not, not 
good enough to have earned this number of points in our events. And so you get players that were literally overrated in their world ranking, and they would get blasted by the actual best players in the world. That's 95% of those cases. So the OWGR fixed that, and everybody's, or a lot of people are mad about it. I thought this Will Knight's tweet was interesting, and I think it's true. One, uh, there should be a way for players on international tours to move up the ladder and earn exemptions into majors. So that's talking about mobility across tours, right? Mobility across the world. And then two, winning a bunch on a lower tour doesn't mean you should be ranked as a top 50 player in the world. I think people look at wins and they're like, oh, well, that person's really good. Well, or maybe they're just beating a bunch of plumbers and firemen, a bunch of people like me and Greg and Rick, you know? And and I think the I think the new OWGR really gets at like this is you want an unbiased look, this is it. These are your top thousand players in the world. And but it does it does decrease the mobility of players to move around to different tours. And I think that's a real problem. Is it a problem that the OWGR should solve? Or is it a problem that the PGA tour should solve or the DP well, world tour. I, I, I mean, I, no, both of those tours, Kyle, the DP world tour and the PGA tour, they have, we'll use a buzzword from this year, pathways to their tour that aren't through other tours. I, I don't think that every OWGR tour needs to be interconnected. There doesn't need to be a, a, a ladder from the sunshine tour to the PGA tour. You can go play, any of us, any of us plumbers and firemen and, and anybody can get into a U.S. Open, right? That's a, a major championship. You can qualify for that. Uh, and at the same time, you can qualify for a PGA Tour event. You can go, mon- there's a Monday qualifier in every PGA Tour event, just about everyone. Um, and, and Corn Ferry Tour events as well. So if you're one of those players where you feel like your game is really good and you're cleaning up on the sunshine tour. You don't need to look to the OWGR to get to the PGA tour. There are other ways. There are other options. I think I, I think I wish there were more options. Like, you know what? One of the coolest things of the year is open qualifying (laughs) uh, for the, like for the DP and, and PGA tour when you you're at the John Deere and it's like, Hey, top three, get it or whatever the, you know, whatever the numbers are. Yeah. I think it'd be cool to have stuff like that. Um, on, on to move between tours. Now, is the PGA Tour and DP World Tour incentivized to do stuff like that? Probably not. I I don't know what their incentive would be. But I, and this is the again, we don't need to go too deep down this, but this is part of the reason that having f- seven different organizations in charge of golf is, is a real problem because nobody like everybody just starts looking around and be like, why don't you do something about this? Why don't you do something? You know? And there's nobody that is like the organization that is going to do something. And it just is, it creates, it, it's a very messy situation when you have stuff like this. It, it is probably worth noting that, uh, the Tom Kim example, I think actually strengthens your point, Kyle, where it's like he, he did what the golf ecosystem asked of him. He just kept leveling up, leveling up, leveling up. The the ecosystem does, is not created in a place where Tom Kim dominates the Asian tour and becomes the 12th ranked player in the world exclusively from that. Right. Wait, say that, say that last part again. So the, the ecosystem is not set up in a way that Tom Kim just dominates the Asian tour and based solely on that becomes the 12th ranked player in the world. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, but I think it, it's also like, I, if you want golf to be truly global, there should be mobility. I think sure. more mobility between tours, but I, again, no, nobody like who, who's going to go and do that? Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very complicated problem. And nobody is super incentivized to fix it. Final thoughts. We got to get out of here and we got to turn our attention to next week. But anything else that we missed? Going once. Normal sport comes out next week. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but I no think, big uh, deal. I think uh, we're shooting for either Monday or Tuesday. We got to clean it up a few Monday's last minutes. tomorrow. Well, we've got the audio. We've got an audio book. I love that. An audio version. 
I love that. Awesome. Shane, Shane Bacon read it. We might have an Easter egg in there of Kevin Van Valkenburg reading Gary Player's voice in a few situations, which will be great. Uh, so yeah, we we've we're we're finalizing that. It's probably going to be like late Monday going into Tuesday. But uh, yeah, anormalsport.com. and we'll have a brand new website launch. Book is good to go. We're printing them. Uh, they're, they're at the, they're at the printer right now. They'll be a little expensive, but it turns out printing a book is expensive. I learned that somehow, not for anything I was doing, but I learned that like printing books is very expensive. And we did it nice. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, there's some scarcity there. We only printed like 320 and they're like hardback, super nice. So I'm, I'm pumped about it. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm, uh, I'm probably like 40% through. Okay. So good. Do you, so good. there's a lot of footnotes. Are you in on the footnotes? Uh, I, I, I don't, not that I've seen. So I, I'm up to footnote. I actually flipped to the end to see how many footnotes there are. And it's like 700 or something outrageous. 500. There's right 500. at 500. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, okay. 500. Cause like the footnote, you know, the little number keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I'm like, this is, this is amazing. The footnotes are where the action's at. Yeah. Uh, to answer if you pull up this latest comment, uh, Troy, it says, will you ship internationally? Unfortunately, not. We will not ship internationally. It is extraordinarily expensive to ship a book internationally, it turns out. But we that's why we have digital copies. You can just purchase one of those. So I'm sorry about that. I wish we could. I, I couldn't figure it out this year. Uh, he, can, he can take it to his local kinkos and make uh the first <laughs> have like copy of it have them. somebody did that last year they like printed it out and put it in a binder <laughs> there you go <laughs> which is hilarious there you go okay next week the match tiger woods will apparently be playing in it with rory mcelroy justin thomas and jordan spieth we'll talk about that we'll continue to keep our finger on the pulse of the world of golf but for now big thanks to producer troy does all the hard work behind the scenes greg Ducharme. At the real GFD on Twitter, Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We're in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.